Welcome to Season 3 of the To Health With That podcast, where we break up big topics into small bites. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Newsel, and I'm joined by my dear friend, women's health and fertility expert, naturopathic physician, Kate Namas, to break down infertility, hormones, and the whole baby-making shebang. This week, let's talk about hormones. What fresh hell is this? And I apologize. This will be a little bit of an information dump, but I want to make sure that when we're talking about, you know, like we throw out these terms, estrogen, progesterone, LH, FSH, whatever. So I want to make sure that for those of you listening and watching, you can actually follow along with what we're saying and kind of come back to this or the show notes to really nail down this information if you need it, right? Or if you feel like you need it. So first, (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the relativity of hormones. Um, People get very attached to absolute numbers, especially with health, right? And and I don't know about you, Kate, but in my practice, I see all sorts of people that come in with like stacks of medical tests that have all of these numbers and they want everything to be optimal, optimal, optimal. Great. I want everything to be optimal, optimal, optimal too. But in terms of hormones, it's... I picture it more like a teeter-totter than like an absolute level, right? So what we need to do is balance them relative to each other and relative to your state of health versus get the number exactly right. Absolutely. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on board with that because (laughs) I'm just not a number. For example, some women, as soon as they conceive, their progesterone is only like a 13, 14, 15. And I've seen those women go on to have three and four babies. And then another woman with a progesterone right after conception, a 13, 14 is not going to lead to baby in arms and she's going to have an early miscarriage. Exactly. Yeah. I remember one one client who came into my office with three of her five children and said, well, my progesterone's always been low, you know, so fertility troubles, Okay. <laughs> Looks good to me. One, two, three. <laughs> Something's working out. <laughs> yes. um, and she had never supplemented progesterone. So, you know. Fascinating. Yeah, I know. I love this. I love this. I love working with people. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. So let's start with estrogen because this is like the biggie. This is the big bad. Classically, this is what we think of as women's sex hormones, right? Female sex hormones. This is a group of related hormones. There's not just one estrogen, but usually when we're actually talking about it relative to fertility or almost anything else in women's health, what we're talking about is estradiol. Estradiol is the strongest estrogen. It's called the Marilyn Monroe hormone, and I love this. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute. But estradiol shows the greatest correlation with female sexual characteristics, large breasts, low hip to waist ratio, and high fecundity, right? That's part of why it's called the Marilyn Monroe hormone. It's also called the Marilyn Monroe hormone because women with high estradiol are more likely to be serial monogamists in relationship, wonderful, uh, who trade up (laughs) repeatedly. So each subsequent partner is going to be of a higher social value than the previous partner. Mm -hmm. And she can trade up because her estradiol is attracting those 
new partners. That's right. That's right. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. I've never heard of that before. I like I it. I know. I love this. It was actually a commentary on a research article that sort of caught fire because it's so accurate, right? She is literally the picture of a high estradiol woman. Absolutely. Right? Because she's got that beautiful hourglass figure, but also her relationship pattern, her average was three years and each subsequent man was socially better, right? Or socially more valuable in some way than the previous man. Fascinating. Right. Hormones. I love this, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, just a note here, but like so much of our behavior, and I've talked about this a million times with epigenetics and and genetic pictures, so much of our behavior is not, it's not about like personality or training. It's about who we actually biologically are, right? So the hormone pictures for women. The genetic pictures. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Who am I today? (laughs) Might be different than yesterday. (laughs) Just get ready. That's so true. Um, So estrogen, usually when women have hormone symptoms, the hormone that's responsible is estrogen. Is that what you're seeing in your practice as well? Yeah. Or I would say the, like you said in the beginning, the relative ratio of the two. Yeah, exactly. So estrogen being high relative to progesterone, right? Correct. That's Mm -hmm. sort of same, same. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so low estrogen is, is in my practice, less common than high estrogen. Is that what you see as well? Unless I'm working with women that are perimenopausal then absolutely. You've got these sporadic estrogen spikes. And then as perimenopause continues, you have low estrogen. And in this day and age, a lot of women are trying to conceive during perimenopause. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in perimenopause, some of those low estrogen symptoms that you could see, hot flashes and night sweats, right? Scanty, delayed, or absent menses, or actually flooding menses, right? Where you have really abnormal bleeding. It could mm-hmm. go either way. Um, very often trouble sleeping. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Uh, dryness or thinning of vaginal tissue. Um, and usually how you would observe this is pain with intercourse, right? Where that tissue is just very fragile and easy right. to damage. Yep. And sometimes people don't report it as pain. They'll just report it as stinging. Mm-hmm. 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 But that's important to reach out to your doctor if you're having stinging every time you have vaginal intercourse. Yeah. Or if yeah. you notice that when you urinate after intercourse, there's some stinging, right? Yes. The same thing. Those are little micro tears. Yep. Um, low sex drive for sure. Mood swings, dry skin, sometimes depression. Uh, but you know what? Any hormone change and depression can go hand in hand. doesn't have to be high, low, this way or that way. Hormones, depression, mm-hmm. meh. It's and the thing. classic symptom of low estrogen is hot flashes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Um, um, some of the causes of low estrogen, you know, there's one too that I think is really worth noting is high performance athletes. Um, I've seen a lot of, you know, endurance athletes, high performance athletes who are then switching into a phase of life where they want to conceive, but their level of activity is, and their natural level of activity, right. Is so very high. Um, that their estrogens may be lower than average. Yep. And then POI would be my other one, premature ovarian insufficiency. That's true. Sometimes younger women are thinking there's no way I could have low estrogen. And then when we do that infertility workup, um, we assess the estradiol on cycle day three, along with the FSH, and we see really low estrogen 
um, then we're also going to make sure and roll out POI. Mm -hmm. Yep. That completely makes sense. Well, and for the athletic women, you know, also very, very thin women, um, for a lot of people, if your body weight is either naturally very low or you're struggling with an eating disorder, that can very much interfere with estrogen production and ovulation. Absolutely. And we call that hypothalamic amenorrhea. Because <laughs> that's not a mouthful. <laughs> Basically, the hypothalamus in your brain is leading to communication signals that are saying, no period for you, no ovulation for you. There aren't enough calories around. Yeah, There's a yeah your body deficit. can't support it. Yeah. Body can't support it. Absolutely. So far more common are high estrogen symptoms. And again, as Kate pointed out, this can be actually like overtly high estrogen with normal progesterone, or this can be reasonably normal proge- normal estrogen with low progesterone, right? So it's all yes. relative. Um, there can be weight gain, waist, hips, thighs. Uh, heavy bleeding is very characteristic. Um especially in, or or you can see light or irregular bleeding, but heavy bleeding is the most common. Mm -hmm. PMS, acne, constipation, fibrocystic breasts, or any other like uterine fibroids, anything like that, any growth Uh, can be fatigue and loss of sex drive, or there can be extremely high sex drive. Just depends on the woman. Yeah. And because Uh, sex drive for women is so complicated, we have the psychosocial piece, the emotional piece, um, that can make the hormone picture not match up with the psychosocial emotional piece. So you may have low drive, even though all the hormones are saying you should have high drive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So there's really, you know, it's very, very difficult. Sex drive for me, um, changes in sex drive that don't correspond to changes in uh, social or emotional situation are suspicious, but changes that correspond with say changing opinions about partners or changing situations, changing life circumstances, those are probably not a medical issue. Right. Exactly. Um, So causes of high estrogen. So interestingly, uh, high adiposity, which means high ratio of body fat to lean muscle mass, um, fat creates its own estrogen, which is sort of terrifying, actually, for all of us. This is in women and men. Um, And so that can be a cause of high estrogen. There's lots of genetic factors that play in. If you've listened to previous seasons, uh, think of like COMT slow, because that decreases the breakdown of estrogens. MTHFR also decreases the breakdown of estrogens. Um, And then there's also genes related to PCOS, but more than likely you would have a PCOS diagnosis with those genes. So you can think of it that way. Stress is actually a cause of high estrogen. So increasing cortisol actually depletes progesterone and lets estrogen run rampant, right? So there's something called the progesterone steel or the pregnenolone steel. Uh, We're not going to get into it this episode, but stress hormones that are chronically elevated can very much influence your estrogen levels. And I'd add to that gut microbiome and digestive health, since we are metabolizing our estrogens via our liver and our gut. Um, So if we are not having a healthy gut, we don't have a healthy gut microbiome, then we're less likely to process those estrogens effectively. 
And I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I saw a, a probiotic in part of your prenatal planning, which is not something that I generally recommend. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear about that. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That also has to do with placental seeding, but we'll talk about it more. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That's even more exciting. <laughs> Um, xenoestrogen exposure. So this is a huge one, you know, in the last decade, two decades, but things like BPA in plastics. And also if you get a BPA free plastic bottle, it now has BP, some other letter, right? BPC, BP, whatever. These are BPA analogs. They have the same limitations as BPA does, right? The same estrogenic effects, right? So, you know, all of those bottles that proudly proclaim that they're BPA free are still doing the same thing in your body, which is terrifying. Right. And those can come from companies that are considered like healthy food companies. Absolutely. Research. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I mean, outdoor companies and, you know, all of the ones that are saying they're good for the earth, good for the environment, good for the humans. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Um, insulin resistance is a really, really big cause of high of rising estrogens right now because as a population, we are becoming more and more insulin resistant as we include more sugar in our diets and more starchy foods. And then also um, artificial estrogens. So either current or past exposure because they're very difficult or can be very difficult for some of us to metabolize. So that's, you know, birth control pills, hormone replacement therapy, that sort of thing. Kate and I busted time today because let's face it, we like to talk. Please watch the video version in the show notes. See more of Dr. Kate at namasnd.com. That's N-A-U-M-E-S-N-D.com or visit to healthwiththat.com for myself, Dr. Amy. See you next week.